Are you looking to get an edge in life but haven't been able to figure it out? Welcome to 10 to Win, the podcast hosted by Kevin Steidel and Jason Cullum. Give us 10 minutes of your time and we'll show you how to create a winning mindset. Welcome back to 10 to Win, the podcast, the podcast focusing on how to create a winning mindset in 10 minutes. This is part three of our Be Passionate About Your Choices series. If you are just tuning in for the first time, this is the interview portion, and today we have a special guest. Kevin, who's here with us today? Thanks, Jason. Our guest is Palmer Fox. Palmer has a degree in environmental design and architecture and has always been passionate about choices that impact the natural world. He also has a decade worth of experience in the food and beverage industry, and these passions have come together to form Palmer's company, Climate Hound. Climate Hound is committed to simplifying the hunt for carbon reductions and supporting the food and beverage industry and making good choices for their businesses, their customers, and their planet. Palmer, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. So, Palmer, the podcast is about creating a winning mindset and helping other listeners help create that winning mindset. Obviously you are passionate about the environment. How do you associate your passion with the environment and combine it with a winning mindset and, and being successful? How do you kind of mold those together? Whew. You know, that's that kind of, for me, it's been a pretty long road to end up where I am right now. You know, how did I bring those two things together? I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my entire life, you know, kind of always had a side hustle, always been, you know, working on something, you know, started cutting lawns at a very, very early age, as I think a lot of entrepreneurs do. Um, but, you know, I did study uh, architecture and I went for an environmental design degree in architecture. But, uh, you know, I learned a lot of really strong skills there. I learned a lot about design. I learned a lot about, you know, branding really is what I ended up taking away from that degree. Uh, but what I ended up seeing was that I was, I was on a path to, you know, just despite this, this passion and interest in sustainable design and sustainable building practices, I wasn't going to be an entrepreneur again anytime soon. You know, you go down that path with architecture. Yeah it's going to take you 10 years probably in most cases to get through, you know, licensing, um, you know, figure out the ropes and basically be somebody's grunt for a really long time. Yeah, sure. So kind of turned into a big, you know, kind of turning point in my life. I, you know, I realized that I wasn't sure if I was on the right path and I uh, went to Asheville, North Carolina to spend a year is what I said. I said, I take one year, just kind of do go do some soul searching figure out what was the right move. And that, uh, that one year turned into seven years in the mountains, doing a lot of backpacking, a lot of hiking, uh, just generally having a really good time. But while I was there, I fell into craft cocktails. I found myself pretty quickly managing an upscale craft cocktail program in a French restaurant. Um, you know, during that time, I got to see kind of behind the scenes because I was, you know, doing everything from you know, profitability and setting up menus and stocking the shelves to, you know, actually working the bar it gave me this opportunity to work with beverage producers, uh, bars and restaurants all really closely. And so, you know, seven years, right. It goes by pretty quickly. Yeah. You're having a good time living in a cool place. <laughs> and, uh, 
I actually launched a totally different company. I saw this opportunity to do inventory management and supplier communications for bar managers. And that was working really well. It actually clicked pretty quickly in Asheville, partly because of my community. But uh, to cut that whole part of the story really short, the pandemic hits, right? And bars and restaurants close. And so our whole target market, you know, is it's, it's different really fast. And uh, I, I kind of went to my whole team and just sort of talked to them about it, right? We, we just kind of started having some meetings and, you know, figuring out what it was that we really wanted to bring to the world. And despite this huge opportunity that we'd seen and, you know, some, some compelling traction, uh, we saw an opportunity to kind of like, you know, sort of rework our path and start working on environmental action for the food and beverage industry. We saw what was happening in the world. We're finally at a place where, you know, everyone from the individual all the way up to government agencies are finally starting to take climate action seriously. You know, people are um, starting to look at figuring out what their environmental impact is and how to reduce it. You know, the uh, SEC is talking about regulating public companies soon. And so, so my passion for sustainable design and building practices from architecture school led me to the mountains, led me to a business, that business turned into a whole different business. And uh, in the process, what really happened is that I found a path that combined my love for entrepreneurship with my passion for environmental action, and then layered in the domain expertise that I found during that time. Yeah, that's cool. I, I mean, it, that's, yeah, it's amazing, right? And I think that's it. Like, you know, we spend so much time here talking about people, you know, trying, trying to find either find that passion or, or actually take action on it and, and go do something about what they already know they're passionate about. And I think, I mean, let's face it, there's, there's probably a lot of environmental warriors out there that aren't running successful companies like climate hound and they're not, or they're not making money at also bettering the environment. And so, I mean, where do you think they fall short on being passionate about the the choices that they're making, but not being able to find success or at least not like financial success that where they can really make an actionable difference. I mean, where do you think that line is for a lot of people out there? I mean, you know, to try to like kind of think across, like put myself in a lot of different shoes if I could, um, you know, I mean, it, even the smallest of actions, whether it's profitable or not, if it's, you know, a good opportunity that you have time for, or it's like in your wheelhouse, you know, um, I would absolutely promote people pursuing that, but it's a really interesting time in the space, uh, right now, you know, for climate action, like a lot of people with, you know, funding are they're they're specifically trying to find climate companies right now. Um, you know, partly because there is this shift and this movement for businesses to take this more seriously and start to show actual measurable impact and, you know, changes that they can make. Um, but, uh, you know, partly also because, I mean, we're not getting any further from the problem. If anything, we're getting closer to the problem affecting everybody, you know, only like it, it's only going to get worse, right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of movement right now for funding climate companies. Um, there's a lot of opportunity in the space. If you can come up with a, a novel or niche way to serve that, um, 
that 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 need, right? Like there's a lot of different climate companies out there. And um, what I think, one, one thing that I think sets us apart, right? And I don't know if we've quite said it on this podcast yet, but we're focused specifically on the food and beverage industry, right? Like that is, that's, that's our industry vertical right there. A lot of climate companies are serving any industry vertical, um, but I believe that standardization is super important in this space because if you don't know the right questions to ask, then you're probably not getting a whole picture of somebody's environmental impact. And more so, how are you going to, you know, advise them on changes that they could make um, if you don't really understand their industry? And so what I'm trying to say here to bring it back to your question is that, uh, you know, if you have a lot of domain expertise about any industry right now and you have a passion for climate action, there's probably an opportunity for you to put those two things together. And there's definitely people out there ready to fund good ideas. That's great. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, this, this podcast, as Kevin mentioned, is, is really all about trying to focus on this winning mindset. And we have done so many episodes in the past where we've really kind of challenged the listeners to, to step up to the plate and do things that they want to do, even though, they may feel like it's scary or there's anxiety, you know, involved with those decisions, but everyone has a choice, right? And a lot of people simply just have to make this choice between, you know, do you live financially comfortable uh, with security, but you're miserable at work most of the time, or do you do what you want? You know, do you do what you're passionate about all while risking the shot at making money and living comfortably, you know? What, what, what kind of thoughts do you have on that? I mean, you ventured out, you know, what was this startup, you know, um, I wouldn't even say it's a startup company, but what you started, you know, in your, in your life with, and now you ventured off to this and that had to have been kind of, um, I don't know if it's difficult decision or challenging decision, but you obviously went with what you're passionate about, even though maybe there was some uncertain things moving ahead. It's kind of interesting, right? Like, especially in the tech space, uh, something that I've been told in the past is that like the biggest challenge is simply not giving up the, like the biggest, the biggest, like if you keep trying in the tech space, something will click, but most people just don't quite go far enough. You know, like it can be a very long road. I can say that I did this business part-time for multiple years before I was able to go full-time. I mean, it was very much a side hustle. And so, you know, I, I don't think that you have to draw a line between um, something that pays the bills right away and something that you're passionate about. I think that, you know, there's plenty of space to work a 40 hour work week, you know, whether that's a nine to five or not, and still hustle something on the side and figure it out, right? Work until it clicks. 100%. I couldn't agree more. We And we've chatted about that at length, haven't we, Kevin, about the idea that starting small and just venturing out. Okay. Step by step by step. And then if it comes to the right point where your nine to five is not working out for you, or you have this passion to do something else, and then you have the history of you marching from, from crawling to walking, walking to running with this side hustle that you're talking about Palmer, then boom, give it a shot right now, because that's making you happy. And that's, what's driving your passion, not your nine to five. Totally. And there's never been more opportunity for, you know, turning a passion into a, a full-time gig, like with the way that social media has moved, 
you know, if you, if you are comfortable in front of a camera, maybe not even talking, right. But, or if you're just comfortable talking and sharing a message, right. And just figuring out what your message is and, you know, what you want to share, what you're, what you're trying to achieve. Right. But um, I mean, we've, we've never seen it more than with the up and coming generations right now that are not choosing to do a nine to five. They're choosing to just even just talk on the internet about something they're passionate about and turning that into a full-time gig. And not all of these people are, you know, the ones that you see that have, you know, tons of success doing it. Like you can have 10,000 followers these days and you can turn that into a full-time gig. Yes. I mean, social media has just allowed people to find more like-minded people. So when you throw out this hobby or this cause that you, I, I believe people used to feel on some level alone on now they're finding thousands and thousands or if not hundreds of thousands or millions of people are feeling the same way. So it, you're right. Like it's, it's so much easier now to find these other like-minded people to build a community around and start really getting action done. Right. I think that's what we are seeing with, uh, environment, you know, the environment we're seeing it with, um, you know, just basic human rights stuff and, and, and all, you know, all of it. Right. Yeah. So I think, and this is like the entrepreneur conundrum, right? This is where like what you've chosen to do Palmer is to make this conscious choice and blend your pat. You know, you mentioned this before you blend your passion for entrepreneurship as well as your passion for the environment together to, to create a business. And then it's, it's not by accident that the business is successful because you, this isn't probably even like work for you, right? This is just fun stuff that you get to do that you're really passionate about and that you really believe in. And so when, when the tough gets going, it's, it doesn't feel like that in a lot of instances. And I think that's where Jason and I try to push the listeners to get into, like, if you're really following that passion, you can really do something meaningful. And I don't know that the, finances really matter in a lot of the instance because you, you really are passionate about it. So. I completely agree with that. I mean, even just, you know, going through the pivot um, from something, like I said, that was, you know, a good, a good idea um, and a good opportunity. It still is right. It's still out there. This other thing we were doing, but, um, but again, it wasn't, it wasn't really what we wanted to do. It wasn't really what we got excited about. And when we really started putting all that together, it just made so much sense. And, once you do find that thing that you want to bring to the world, that thing that you're passionate about, it shows through when you talk to people about it, you know, like yeah. I mean, putting yourself out there, like that kind of has to be a part of this conversation. Like whether you're going like full grassroots, just making an impact in your community, or if you're trying to put together a team, it, it comes down to talking, finding the right people to help you support that thing or finding the right group that's already doing something you can plug into but, um, but yeah, when you're in the space that you care about, it is, I mean, a, a hundred times easier to get through those tough days for sure. Get over those big hurdles, yeah. get through the stressful times. And, uh, I mean, I completely agree with you there. How did you, and or when did you discover that the environment was something that you were passionate about enough to, you know, be like, I want to make a difference, man. So that's a good question. 
when did I really commit to the idea that I could make a difference? That's like, that's a very different question. But if I were to say, you know, when it became apparent to me that we had a problem that needed solving, to be honest, it came from surfing. I grew up surfing. I spent my childhood in Charleston, South Carolina, and I started surfing at probably about 10. And a few years into that, right, like you get passionate about something and you're reading the magazines, you're listening to the people in the space talk. And, you know, I'm spending a lot of time in the ocean. So like, I've always been very much a very, like, you know, outdoorsy person, I suppose. But um, one thing that I started hearing at a very early age because of surfing was that our coral reefs were dying and that we were, you know, we were seeing that like, not only were these coral reefs dying, but it was affecting the beach breaks, right? That's why the surfers were talking about it. It's like the sandbars change hmm. when the coral dies and then the waves are being affected by it. And I'm not saying that's the only reason the surfers cared, but it was the first time that I really heard people talking about climate change and the way that it was affecting us just in our day to day. And that was like one of the big moments that clicked, you know, when you start seeing these, these, um, you know, organisms and systems that are just all connected, right? And then the further you go down that conversation, the more you start learning about how, you know, at the end of the day, we're a big part of the problem. Uh, so that, that was what the first thing that exposed me to it, for sure. I've always liked putting things together. So architecture seemed like it made sense. And I suppose by the time I was picking a program and everything else, it was just like, there. I don't know how long I've been thinking about sustainable building practice. But uh, yeah, at that time, I thought that was it. I thought that was the thing that yeah. I was going to be passionate about and I was going to be pursuing today. Yeah, that's so cool that you've put these things together. I'd have to ask you this, man. You know, so many people in life are trying to identify what those passions are, right? So if you're working a nine to five and that's not your passion, you know, you're coming to work every single day and you're like, this isn't for me. I'm trying to do something else. I need to do something else. So my question for you is this, have you ever followed other things in your life outside of your passion or the environment and have those things like interest you? And, and if so, what are those things that may have grabbed your attention? I mean, I've always kind of, I, I like people, I like talking and I like people. So I've always been looking for ways to get involved with more, you know, just like people. I, I like making friends. I like connecting with groups. I'm, I'm very much a hobbies person. So I'm always looking for a new hobby that I can pick up and, uh, you know, be passionate about in my side, you know, my free time, I guess, and then probably end up, you know, moving on to another hobby before too long. But, uh, you know, I guess one of the earlier times where I was able to help some people and really learned how much I enjoyed teaching was, uh, again, during my college experience, I, uh, physics just kind of always clicked for me. I really enjoy just like basic physics, nothing too crazy. I'm not, I'm not your, your astrophysicist or anything like that, but, <laughs> but I did really well in uh, intro to physics and my teacher approached me about tutoring some people in future classes. And at that time I like, didn't really have a hustle. I'd gotten to college with some summer money, probably still mostly from cutting lawns at that time. And, uh, and I saw this opportunity to start tutoring people. So my claim to fame from my time as a tutor, I only had four students, but all four of my students came to me with a failing grade and all four of them were able to 
uh, finished the class with some form of an A. Awesome. And Rocked it was it out. like, yeah, yeah, you know, it was like, make you feel I got good. to hang out with these people yeah. twice a week for, yeah. I think it was like 30 minutes or something. And, and I guess the thing that was like really cool was like, not only are you connecting with people through this opportunity, but like they have a problem that I knew I could fix, you know, like I knew how that subject worked well enough that like, I could just kind of show them the path. It was like, if you do these things, if you, if you understand these concepts, then like all these equations become so much easier, you know? And I'm, I'm sure that's not the case once you get past intro to physics. I only took uh, 101 and 201. I didn't really need a whole lot of that. <laughs> everybody, everybody thinks architecture is math and physics, and it's just not that. That's for the engineers. But, um, but yeah, cool, that man. was one of the moments where I, you know, I, I felt like it was a uh, really empowering, I guess, that's to cool. be able to help people in that way. It's a good story. Yeah. So we have your passions covered. What advice would you give to listeners? who are struggling to identify their passion. Forget about the people who know what their passion is and aren't doing anything about it. What about the people who are struggling to, to find out what they actually are passionate about? That's a tough question, but what strikes me is probably the most important thing there is putting yourself out there again. You know, like if you feel like you don't have a passion yet, or if you feel like you haven't found what it is yet, then you probably haven't experience enough things yet, I would venture to say, you know, maybe you need to be exposed to more um, perspectives and, you know, more opinions. Maybe you need to be finding what your next hobby is, you know, jump through a lot of hobbies. Maybe one of your hobbies will lead you to something, you know, like my experience with surfing and uh, how that honestly, like nobody's ever asked me that question in this kind of a format, but that was the moment that led me to where I am today. And that was over 20 years ago. You know, and I, it wouldn't have happened if I wasn't pursuing that passion at that time. Or, you know, I guess at that time, pursuing that hobby that became a passion that led me to, you know, an understanding that, I mean, it shaped a significant portion of my life. Would you say it's kind of just like being open-minded, Palmer, about things? Totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, not even just like open-minded, but just like open to, you know, just, uh, like, like ready, right. When, when something presents itself, like I, again, I like talking to people and I'm always shocked at like the brief conversation you're going to have with somebody, you know, standing in line somewhere or just like in a grocery store or like whatever the case may be, I try to remain open to a circumstantial opportunity. And when you're open to those opportunities and you're like ready to put yourself out there and, you know, just chat with somebody for really no apparent reason, um, it, it's surprising what you can find, you know? And I mean, I'll say that like, I, I really like talking to people again, I keep saying this, but I just think it's so important to, you know, when you have that moment, like try to capitalize on it, figure out what that person's about, like what they're interested in, like, is there an opportunity for y'all to work together or is an opportunity for you to grab some piece of information from that person that's going to like change you, you know, maybe it's not about really connecting with them or meeting them. But uh, I definitely think that, uh, yeah, being open-minded, being open to opportunity, it's super important. Yep. Love it. It's a, it's a key skill of a successful yeah. entrepreneur. I tell my students all the time, you never know what this person can do for your business 
until you talk to them, right? And even if that conversation lasts, like you said, for 60 seconds, at least then you can cross it off the list and be like, well, I don't think that person can help me. But like you said, you never know. You need to be a 24 hour, seven day a week walking, talking billboard for your brand, your personal brand and your business, especially when you're an entrepreneur, then you're just gotta be like, Oh, like you said, open to the opportunity that anyone can help. They, they might buy something from you. They may have their cousin buy something from you. They may have an aunt who, you know, invests in businesses, or they may have a, someone else that they know, a neighbor who does something similar. And there's a thing for a future partnership. You know, you just never know. It's that networking thing. And, you know, like as much as I like talking to people, I still don't feel like I knew how to network when I was in college. You know, I think I kind of came to that a bit later. Bartending, I think, helped me a lot with networking because you get comfortable with those short snippets of conversation. Sometimes, you know, depending on the program, you have, you know, eight people in front of you, you have 20 people in front of you. Every single one of them might be somebody, you know, that uh, could kind of help with whatever it is that you're, you're moving towards. And, and I think like, the networking thing, right? Like that, that, that's a day-to-day practice. But when you can put yourself into an environment where you're surrounded by a lot of people that are interested in some particular topic, right? Like, you know, like maybe it's a convention, maybe it's a networking group at a coffee club, you know, but like putting yourself in a place where you know that you're surrounded by like, let's say tech people or like you're surrounded by climate people then you can have, you know, like you're saying, those 60 second conversations, you can have 30 of them all at once, right? And it's just, it's yeah. it's astounding to me who you find in those moments. It's absolutely necessary though. Right. It's cool. Well, that is it for Be Passionate About Your Choices Part 3. We want to thank Palmer Fox for coming on today and explaining how his passion for the environment has been so important to his winning mindset mentality Palmer, where can everyone find you if they have questions about what you do or anything about your business? Yeah, if you want to shoot any questions to me, you could find me on LinkedIn, Palmer Fox. And uh, if you want to follow what we're doing at Climate Hound, you could find us on Instagram. It's just at Climate Hound. Uh, and then our website, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about, you know, just specifically how this works for the industry that we've selected to focus on and specialize in. You can find us at climatehound.io. Awesome. We will put everything in the show notes so that if you have any questions or you want to reach out to Palmer, uh, you will have those links. Um, And please make sure you subscribe to our podcast and rate and review it as it helps get the podcast out to more people. We'll be back and better than ever on Monday for a brand new episode. And as always, if you're impacting or influencing one person a day, It is worth it. Everyone has 10 minutes to learn a winning mindset. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to create a winning mindset. Remember, we'll release a new episode every Monday. So be sure to start your week off right by listening to 10 to Win. Please subscribe, like, comment, and share our podcast. And remember, if you're impacting or influencing one person a day, it's worth it. Everyone has 10 minutes to create a winning mindset. Yeah, yeah.